You're listening to Torch Talk with Chris, Kyle, and Dana on the Sidious Mag podcast presented by Hayward Magic. Hayward Magic is a new, unique, and fresh editorial channel on Instagram that captures the magic and intensity of track and field. Their mantra is hashtag make it to Hayward because Hayward is not just a place, but a state of mind. It's where guts meets magic. I've been a fan of the account since it started a few months ago. You may have seen them on Instagram stories with some of their motivational posters and sayings. One of my personal favorite things that they do are these newspaper headlines when records are broken. So look out for those during the games because I'm sure we're going to see world records and American records dropping left and right. Recently, they've released a few awesome stop motion and claymation shorts that they've put together. Those take so much work and time, so to see it happening for our sport and our stars is particularly cool. We've seen the comments, who's behind this account? What's happening? What are they selling? They're actually not selling anything. There's something cool about the RN mystique behind the account, which slowly gets revealed over time, and there's much more to come. All athletes, fans, and feats of guts are welcome. Follow at Hayward Magic on Instagram because there's no better time to be a fan of track and field with Worlds and Olympics coming up in the years to come. So follow at Hayward Magic and stay tuned for more throughout the next couple days. We are back. After a couple weeks apart, we read the reviews and the people wanted well, some more talk. You wanted to do it again. I also wanted to do it again. But this time, we decided to add another person to the mix. Please welcome Dana Giordano, joining us for the next 10 days of track and field action. Dana, are you ready to hang out with Kyle and I for the next 10 days? I am so ready. I've been training. It's been a month of training. <laughs> Haven't been doing a lot of running. Been doing way more prepping for this moment. Yeah. What is, what is training to hang out with Chris and I like? <laughs> You know, track stats. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that makes one of us at least. Yeah, I guess we like throwing around. We're 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 geeks. And Learning so, about sports betting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. That is true. We had to watch some YouTube videos with you to teach uh, the basics. Yeah, but it's all happening. We waited an extra year just in general for the Olympics to happen, and they're finally happening. There was even moments of doubt. I think within the past, like month even that i mean with tokyo in a state of emergency but when i saw the first race on the track i was like this is amazing it's finally here and we it's gone off without a hitch so far i think the thing that i found is i do not care about many other sports in the olympics it's and i hate to say it and i think part of that is the time zones being so weird and i'm not willing to stay up to watch you know an early round of 3v3 basketball but for track, I will wake up as early as I need to to watch every event. And so for me, it's the Olympics just started. Yeah. It, so it's the first half is typically gymnastics, swimming. There's a little bit of an overlap now. But for the next 10 days, we'll be bringing you this daily podcast presented by the good folks over at Hayward Magic. Be sure to go follow their Instagram account. And we're going to be coming up with you know daily prediction contest. The grand prize for that will be a trip to the Prefontaine Classic. Like, I it's mean, it's a big prize. It's a big prize. So, it's not just a trip. Am I eligible? I think you are, yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> that you, seems like cheating. Every day, we're going to have a prediction contest like we did during the trials. But uh, if you win the day, you're entered for the final. Uh, and 
of the eight finalists, we're going to pick one. For the grand prize. For the grand prize. And so that's, you know, flights, hotel, and the tickets to the pre-classic. So I I would stay tuned to the Sidious Mag and Hayward Magic Instagram accounts over the next couple of days because that, that sounds great. You're very biased. Yeah. All right. So let's kick it off talking about the action that took place on the track. First off, we start off with the pre the preliminary round of the women's hundred, which you kind of sometimes look at uh, at the broadcast and you're like, oh, this must be you know the big stars heading onto the track, and no, 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 it was kind of just like just send the mood for 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 the rest of the evening, and you had a lot of smaller countries fielding what could be their only Olympian for track and field at the games competing in this first round. And so the time's obviously a little bit slower, um, but it was still just so fun to watch. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, it's a nice little prelude of what is to come. I think that if you are one of these smaller countries and you have the ability to send some people to the Olympics, I think the hundred is the perfect event. I think maybe, you know, the uneven bars, maybe not the the <laughs> event i would enter our wild card picks into uh the the diving from the top mm-hmm. platform <laughs> nope this is not the time let's <laughs> let's put them in the hundred and uh give them a shot it's definitely the play-in round yeah so it's almost round zero to get into the semi yeah no, not the semi the round the one, first round the yeah, first the round heats. yeah um, and so we saw like it, it'd be a fun game to try and figure out where a lot of these countries are on a map because I was hearing about them for, for the very first time and then looking at people's bios, um, there's in particular like you, you realize that some people ran in the NCAA and then like represent uh, much smaller countries. Uh, there was like a runner from Palestine, I believe it was. You yeah, she, it she ran at Brown. She's running at Brown in 2022. Oh, really? So still yeah. active, yeah. S- still active competing. You know, a lot of these athletes haven't been able to compete traveling around the world this year so it's kind of the first time we're seeing some people yeah i want to get her name just just because it's uh out of respect because it was it they did compete hold on one sec i've got got them right here hannah baccarat i mean finished fifth but then like i see that it's like a national record so many of these people were running personal best national records and like there's no better place to do it than than at the olympics well i think yeah it's just the reminder that the olympics is like a humanitarian event and mm-hmm. that there's more to it than just winning gold medals and so having obviously as many countries as represented great way to start off and chris i know that we're supposed to have a couple awards every single day can you speak to that and yeah then our nominee so my nominee the big premise behind hayward is hayward magic is it's where guts meets magic so each one of the days let's come up with what was the gutsiest performance of the day and the most magical performance of the day uh so i guess to if we want to award the gutsiest performance of the day it's got to be maybe two these athletes competing in the first round. Are we allowed to do a universal? Like I all think of for the day one, we can do a universal. Yeah. We're yeah. warming up here. Yeah. Group yeah. awards. I think that's perfect. Because it's, you know, imagine from their perspective where you're about to step out on the track. I'm sure, um, you know, if there was 100,000 people in the stadium or whatever it can hold, think of how intimidating that is. But even just knowing that you're competing on this stage, it's terrifying. I'm sure like many of them aren't, 
probably even that comfortable in or, running in blocks. <laughs> or in this large of a stadium. The stadium is massive. There's not a lot of fans. As Emma Coburn said, if you squint hard enough, you can pretend like the seats look like there's some fans in there. But a lot of these athletes have not competed in a stadium this with this magnitude. It is kind of, if you've ever been in one of these large Olympic-type stadiums, mm-hmm. it's like nothing you've ever experienced, especially when they have the bird's nest-type or around yeah. you feel like you're very small in there. So shout out Guts's performances first everyone in the prelim of the women's 100 because yeah the pressure that comes with it and on top of that I mean just all the covid protocols for this particular olympics in general. Do we um, do we do we dive into the covid now? Uh, I mean the when co- I uh, I caught myself earlier when I said like oh yeah so far it's gone without a hitch but then I was like no actually within the past 24 hours the biggest hangup was Sam Kendrick's testing positive for COVID and then having to uh, head into isolation. Uh, and then the sure, Australian national team all had to go into isolation as well because yeah. of contact tracing. So, I mean, I mean, that's that's some of the risk involved in, in, in putting on these games. And I think the most interesting part of that whole entire saga so far has been whether Matt Ludwig is going to get to Japan in time. I saw he was boarding the flight uh, and he's got to go through all of the COVID protocols, but what a story that's going to be. And like, it's something that, you know, you have to be, if you were fourth at the Olympic trials, in some cases, you just have to be waiting by the phone and have a bag packed and ready to go. Uh, if you get that emergency call, I think if I had finished fourth, I'm just hanging out somewhere in Japan. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed in. No, you can, might, you can get as, far as you possibly could what like, is that hawaii can i go to like yeah is, would Hawaii's korea close. let me in like Probably can i not. hang out there and just wait because the odds seem pretty good that it's going to happen more right uh, it cannot we be don't, easy we don't want it to happen we don't want it obviously <laughs> no. he's the first american correct uh, i think by the end there were six cases i think in the u.s opc delegation but maybe the first uh first track athlete at least u.s track athlete I want to give a little context of the preparation that the athletes had to do for COVID testing before. Yeah, so yeah, my please. first name dropped. My roommate, Heather McLean, made the team, as we've had on the pod before. But she was sent home from the trials. They gave them kits, mm-hmm. saliva kits. And they had to ha- install an app on their phone and take pictures of themselves with the swab up their nose and submit it. And she goes, I don't know who's getting these selfies. And I feel bad for the person who has to look at them. For There was protocol certain days out from the events. Are they sending these same protocols to the alternates are they taking them just in case how does he get to go these are the questions we're going to try to figure out for you (laughs) yeah uh man but unfortunate situation for sam kendricks and then we'll see how how well matt ludwig does but uh he's he's on the way but all right back to one more thing that we have to discuss (laughs) yeah some some of the athletes that showed up into tokyo from various countries and now are not allowed to compete yeah, my heart goes out to Zuhair Talbi from Morocco because he is in the Olympic Village as we speak and he's supposed to compete in the men's 10K, which is the first night final, uh, and was told he, he couldn't just because of, uh, I think there's, res- some countries are higher risk uh, on WADA's anti-doping list and so certain athletes need to undergo a number of tests before they compete and so him being in the NAIA, you don't get tested as often as a college We're student. We're talking about and drug he, testing. And he's not now even... We're, yeah, we're, now we're on here. drug Let's testing. Be clear. Yeah, drug yeah. testing. This is drug testing, yeah. And he's NAIA in college, not in Morocco. He's in the United States. And so there's this, there was this hang-up, and 
he was pulled from from the entry list and unable to compete, and he's there, and it's unfortunate. Then Nigeria with ten athletes in a similar case too, um, Kenya with two, but then they get replaced by Timothy Chariot and Ronix Capruto. So that in that situation, you're just like, oh, I guess like it worked in their favor, but I, yeah, it, it just seems messy. Messy. Is messy. The, re- the craziest thing me. about the Zoo Harris situation, according to his Instagram, was he knew that this was a rule and everything, and he was granted an exception mm-hmm. to be able to get three tests without the subsequent like rest period in between. And then he showed up, and they decided no. They ghosted him. <sighs> yeah. He's there. <laughs> That's the wildest On part. his cardboard box bed. Oh, man. So um, I don't know if, it, if there's even anything, but it just sucks. Like that the generation before you screwed it up for the athletes competing today yeah oof all right uh into the action from today i guess the first first thing after the preliminary round of the men's hundred was the men's steeplechase and the first american to compete at the 2020 tokyo olympics mr mason furlick not his best day um but you know what it wasn't a terrible day and i think that's important to note is like he, him making the team, huge accomplishment. I believe he ran 818 mm-hmm. as his personal best. And he ran 820. He just happened to fall into what is the fastest men's steeplechase prelim in Olympic history. Yeah. I think agent Dan Lilo said it was the best ever non-final steeple time ever in that first heat, um, which was won by Ethiopia's Lamechi Gurma in 809. Second place was... Ryui uh, Miura from Japan, who ran a national record of 809.92. Now, that would have been so sweet with fans in the stands, but again, no one's allowed in the stadium unless you're an athlete. Like, I barely see any sort of coaches out in the in the stands. Um, and they're getting the people off the track really, really quick. Um, and then Kenya's Benjamin Keegan took third. Mason Furlick was eighth in 820.23, so had to wait. Uh, on the to, bubble to see if he would advance and so there was a glimmer of hope second heat ends up not being faster for the winner but in general i guess the the following places were faster um and bernard keeter the american runs a personal best eight seventeen thirty one. that second heat was won by kenya's abraham kibiwat uh, Ethiopia's Ganete Wale and Ahmed, Italy's Ahmed Abel Wahid also advance with auto qualifiers. So then Bernard Keeter is in the wait and see position. Mason Furlick at this point is eliminated. And then we go into the final heat. And they didn't do final heat energy. They forgot. No, they really just, they were sitting there for a bit. And that one had Sufain El Bakali from Morocco, who is. He can kick. Yeah. It's not up to, he, he doesn't need to do it. And, and like, he ran the risk of getting eliminated in this first round uh, because they were all so bunched up at the end. He ends up winning in 8-19, so it was a very slow heat. Uh, we got a runner from Finland and then a runner from France taking 2-3. And then Hillary Bohr, which coming off the final steeple water barrier, uh, was in a good spot, but then just the last 100 was really rough for him and ends up finishing in sixth place, eight nineteen doesn't advance to the final, and so only one American in the final. First time since two thousand and eight. In his post race press conference, he really was being hard on himself and taking full responsibility. And you know, that's probably every guy in the third heat who opted not to make it 
fast. Like that's, you're obviously going to be kicking yourself. You're going to have those regrets. And it is just surprising because the steeplechase is the one race where there is some level of benefit from being in the front. And so it's a little surprising that none of those guys knowing what was on the line would take it to make it honest. Yeah. He said, interview was so sad. Yeah. He said, I choked, man. There's nothing else I can say. I didn't perform. It's a tough one. I know the fitness is there. He then later on added, it's tough, it's tough. I had a chance to medal for real, for sure. I felt good all the way. Yeah, it's tough. This is a guy who won the Gateshead Diamond League. And the Olympic chase. trials. Yeah. And the Olympic trials, yeah. So. Anything can happen. It's the Olympics. Welcome to the Games. Um, moving on after that, was that kind of the big takeaway, I think, from... Yeah, I think, like, you know, it's... Ethiopia looks good. Coming off the high of the trials, I think it's hard to see these Americans that we've come to mm-hmm. love over, you know, we, we fell in love with them at the trials. You kind of had this expectation that they're going to get through. But for a lot of these athletes, this is their first time having actual real international experience. We have some younger members of the team who truly haven't competed on this level. And even though there's not fans, that's an element that we have to respect. And, you know, I think that PRing and doing competing against an international field is an accomplishment. Yeah. Oh, I did note that other there were some actual uh, surprises in the in the steeplechase. Kenyan champion Leonard Bett is out. Ethiopian champion uh, Taliki Tadesi Takele is also knocked out. So I th- I think it's fairly wide open for El Bakali to kind of run away with it. But then uh, Wale from Ethiopia yeah. is also in it, who I believe might uh, be you know El Bakali is a world leader, but Wale has run also very fast. You really try to read these guys on the starting line based off of you know what's their when their name is called, what's their wave to the crowd, or <laughs> and Bakale had like the weirdest shiver going like a fake shiver hugging himself yeah, for a, little, a while little open up, and then after move. like 10 seconds yeah spread his wings and <laughs> to me that just oozed confidence yeah he's here to have fun so yeah he's uh he's probably the favorite heading into it so i don't know i haven't looked at the odds on him but you could possibly get some money on him women's 800 i believe was next that's correct um, Some big guns got knocked out. Yeah, who, who who I guess stands out here as the first big eliminations to you? I would say uh, the Ugandan athlete Halima Nakai. She was, you know, the champion in Doha. Yeah, she gets knocked out. Hasn't actually. I I noted this when I was writing my preview. I was looking at some of her race results because I was hey, like, what has she been up to this season? It's been fairly quiet. And after she beat. Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers in Doha hasn't won a race since then. Um, and so it's so bizarre for a world champ, but, and then gets knocked out in the first round of, uh, of the Olympics. And then the other really big disappointment for me was Militia Bishop yeah. getting knocked down the first round. Someone with so much veteran experience. Oh wait, Halima did snag a little cue. Oh, she did? She did. Oh, we gotta that yeah. One. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> You know, I will say that uh, the Olympic website, as we're like looking <laughs> Where are the results, little cues? <laughs> not great. And that's... That, slow. Very slow to If load. you want up-to-date results while you're watching, go to the Olympic website because World Athletics doesn't update as it goes. But then once it's over, you want to go to the World Athletics website because oh. they actually put in the little cues. Yeah. All and right. Clean, I missed the little clean, cue. And then I'm glad wanna, she made it through. And then if you want to watch track and field, you got to go on USA or Peacock or NBC <laughs> or USA you have to watch on session. YouTube. <laughs> Peacock or, at night. 
I saw I saw a tweet that it was like what it was that ESPN tweet that it was like what feels like Olympic in an Olympic sport but isn't an Olympic sport and someone responded was like getting Peacock to work like yeah. I can't figure oh, this it's out terrible and this- then especially. When you're trying to watch Peacock, and Chris apparently gave his password to <laughs> all 12 of his friends back home, and they keep kicking us off. We are off. just working out the kinks here. This is day one. Day we one. are warming up. Yeah. But, all it's right. It's a warm-up lap. Women's 800. Uh, it took until the third... or The first person who really stood out to me, Natoya Gould, running 159.83. Uh, looking smooth as Butter doing her job. Alicia Montano noted that she likes to front run, and that's exactly what she did. She just went out and kind of did her own business and then shut it down those last couple meters, saving something for the end. Such an advantage to be an 800 runner who likes leading in when it comes to rounds. It's just like, just go run 159. Like, whatever, I'll do it. And she's running a lot slower than that first lap that she did in college. I remember Natoya in college at Clemson. She would just rip the first lap, and you'd be like, did you need to run a 57, Natoya? But, you know, I think she's really coming to herself as an athlete, and she's, you know, really stepping up. And I think she's a serious medal contender. That's, I think, what I read in one of uh, her bios on, like, the Olympic page. It was just like, she's been at the world stage for for quite a while now, uh, just because also, like, Jamaica doesn't, there isn't as much competition for her to make these 800-meter teams. So, like, she's consistently been there for her country, and it's like, now's the time to really strike and possibly uh, make some noise by bringing home a medal for Jamaica in the middle distance. That'd be huge, huge for them. Uh, So she posted the fastest time of the day. Then in the next couple heats, we got to start seeing the Americans. I think Mo wins her heat in 201.10. Looked great for uh, her Olympic debut. Just super in control. It was just when when she wanted to go in the last 50 meters... And I think as a pro, when you can break up the race into smaller and smaller segments where you're deciding to kick, like, yeah, I'm just going to kick the last 30 meters, then you're in a good place. It's a, I think earlier, like as a high school athlete, you think it's like, get to 400 meters to go, and then it's everything you have. And the better and better you get, the shorter and shorter that kick is. Mm-hmm. And she has staked her claim, she wants nothing less than that gold medal. No. Yeah. She has put it out there into the universe. She's manifesting it. She's saying that. She's saying it. Out loud. Out loud. Love out that. loud. <laughs> Love All it. All that. The but pride I, of Trenton, New Jersey. The pride of Trenton, New Jersey looks, you know, runs way beyond her years, blah, 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 all those cliches. But she really looks so good. Yeah. And then after that, Raven Rogers follows it up with 201.42 to win her heat, uh, just ahead of Keely Hodge, uh, Hodgkinson. And uh, in... The third uh, heat with an American, uh, or no, actually it was the final heat, heat six. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it out. I'm gonna give the gutsiest performance of the day to Ajay Wilson for making us really sweat watching that one. I was so scared. I didn't like that. <sighs> yeah, it was weird to watch, and I think that Ajay recently competed in a mixed field. Mm-hmm. So he was competing as men at um, University of Pennsylvania, kind of her local turf, but. It was just interesting seeing her like that last 50 meters. You just didn't know if she was going to make it. She had to navigate through traffic. There was uh, the runner from Finland and then uh, the Chinese runner as well. The Chinese runner ended up snagging that third auto qualifier. Um, Actually, the top six in this heat advanced with three of the of the little cues. Um, And but Ajay really like 
had to lean at the finish line of sorts. I think I, I tweeted out the photo of the of the finish, and it was it was really tight. But three American women will advance to the semifinals. Beating her was Gemma Ricci, and I think something that we should note as three Americans, we are like, oh, obviously the U.S. is going to go one, two, three, <laughs> but the the British are feeling pretty good about their athletes over there like they think they're going one two three or at least like it's one crazy two like they think Ricky and Hodgkinson have great chances Laura Muir pulled out of the 800 because they she didn't think that it was her best event and runs so fast yeah. it was Monaco yeah and you know having so many they have so many sub two women mm-hmm. in the uk right now that that was such a challenging team to make to begin with so i think those women are all really sharp and showing up at the right time yeah and so th- their third athlete alexandra bell also in so they've got three in the semis the u.s is three in the semis um you know th- it they're they replaced their mirror with another 158 woman so like there's plenty of talent <laughs> between the two countries and we're both very biased. You know how I think like <laughs> when we were doing the Trials of Miles broadcast, we talked about the uh, U.S. versus Great Britain, like four by mile uh, or just like Are you showdown. suggesting we do a three by 800? No, I think you could do a four. You could find a fourth <laughs> oh, easily okay, for okay. both <laughs> countries and do a four by 800. Throw Kate Grace in there. You, oh, yeah. There we it is. need her. <laughs> and then you get Laura Muir to... To, to jump in there as well so if uh they're looking for usa versus uh the world like four by eight like at pen relays there it is there i think go. that's it one thing that struck me just to tap on this is how many athletes are in each event i think we were not prepared for how many heats of everything how many athletes are showing up you know this is kind of the first large competition like this since 2019 in Doha. You know, mm-hmm. we're used to seeing these really pared down fields that are super hard to get into. So I think it's a lot of fun getting to see a lot of unfamiliar faces, younger athletes, everyone really getting to go head to head. Finally. Finally. It's, it's here at last. And, uh, after that we had, well, the men's, uh, discus was going on and, we're big throws guys. So we just got to give a little bit of props here to Daniel Stahl for just like getting his auto qualifier out of the way really quickly. Mean mugging it, I would say. He was there just to do the job to get that 66 meters and move on. Yeah. yeah. So for those who aren't familiar <laughs> in the discus and most of the field events, it's just the, the prelims, they knock it down eventually like to, I believe, 12 in the discus. Mm-hmm. It, and then there is a mark out there that if you just hit 66 meters, then you're, you're in. And, uh, you know, if 13 people hit it, then 13 people get in, but 13 people won't hit it. And so for some of these athletes, they can just walk up, do their thing real quick and just sit down and like go back to the hotel. I'm looking at uh, the flash quote that he provided to uh, the Tokyo 2020 uh, staff right afterwards and they asked him was like what did you think of your performance in the qualifying round and he said yeah it was it was a relaxed throw my goal was to make the finals so I did it and it feels good it's a good <laughs> getting the job done there were 32 athletes two had no mark and then you have those 12 little cues so onwards we go in the discus and then you did have Sam Mattis qualify from the United States um, so we have one into the final mm-hmm in the men's 400 meter hurdles, 
It was... I love this event. Carson Walholm and Rye Benjamin. Kyron McMaster also looked really good, too. Uh, but we haven't seen Warholm versus Rye Benjamin since Doha. And I think they were mentioning it on the broadcast a little bit. I don't want to see it in the semifinal. Save that matchup for the final. Oh, but you know what we could have? We could have, like, a Centro Hawker stare down in the semis of them both running through in, like, 47-2. Saying, like, this is easy for me. Like, I'll see it tomorrow. So that could be cool. Yeah, I They guess. executed two very different races today. Karsten went out extremely hard the first half-ish mm-hmm. of the race and then really shut it down versus Rye just looked steady and controlled throughout. 48.65 for Karsten Walholm, and then it was uh, 48.60 for Rye Benjamin. So literally, they're doing the same exact thing. It seemed like a couple of years ago, Samba and Dos Santos were like really in this conversation of who the best mm-hmm. 400 hurdlers are. And at some point, the you know, Warholm and... Rye really just did distance themselves. You know, those guys looked good. They both got their cues in the first heat going 48-3, 48-4. But, I mean, Rye and Carson are next level right now. I can't wait. You know, we had uh, Carson Walholm give a thumbs up and a wink to the camera right afterwards. Rye Benjamin said, and he was just like, I can't believe like I'm actually here. He's 25. His first game. I think 24. 24. Yeah. The pride of Mount Vernon, New York. Like, there you we're, go. we're just gonna drop that <laughs> constantly. One of the things the commentators mentioned is that for the 400 hurls, the times can be a lot faster in these heats because it's such a rhythm event. So it's harder to you know take it easy. So we might see some fireworks and then fireworks again. Yeah, we saw that. I mean, at the trials, uh, a bit where. You know, Rye saved it until the final, but then also uh, it wasn't. I guess when it, you really get into that rhythm, we saw it in the one ten hurdles when uh, Grant Holloway got into the best rhythm possible in the semis, and then it just quite wasn't there in the actual final. So it's all about uh, the execution at the right time. So all three men's four hundred hurdlers through into the next round for Team USA. For Team USA, yep. So we got we are David Kenziera <laughs> and Selman as they're in there as well. So um, men's high jump, we saw uh, Mutaz Barshim, uh, Ilya Uvliuk, and Javon Harrison all advanced. And Javon Harrison actually has the long jump now that he's got to do. So the first man since since Jim Thorpe in 1912. That fact's been thrown around quite a bit uh to do the double at the games and so he's a, he's a medal contender in both events like for gold yeah when i was looking at the betting lines i was kind of like can i just parlay the fact that javon harris <laughs> can you gonna have a great day on you can on certain sites <laughs> it, he did mention that he's like i wish there were people here you know yeah. i wish there was people on the fans and it's the first time i had heard an athlete you know kind of express that internally be like you know this is great, but it could be a lot better. And it seems like those field event athletes really do thrive off the energy of the crowd, especially when you're trying to get the rhythm in the long jump. So I'm interested to see what they're going to do instead of that big clapping. Yeah, and I didn't really get the feel that they were piping in any sort of sound into the stadium. Maybe they do it for the night sessions or something like that to make it feel like there's a there's a crowd there. But it looks, the seats and the colors and all that kind of stuff look kind of like they, um, they, they there. They did that on purpose, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, More track stadiums should do that because there's so many empty seats at regular track. Yeah. <laughs> um, something that 
we should just discuss amongst ourselves is how brutal this schedule is in the sense that we're, we're just going to stay up so late every single night watching track. I mean, look at the time right now. Mm-hmm. It's past midnight and we're recording a podcast, but we have to be up super early tomorrow morning to watch more races. And this is just, it's a, a, a marathon. We're going back to the way humans used to be where you just sleep in small chunks whenever you can. <laughs> I also like the fact that you're already complaining <laughs> after the first session. No one works harder. No <laughs> one works harder. And <laughs> then Kyle Murphy. Um, well, this time, I, you know, when we were in Eugene, I was waking up at 5 a.m. to start work every day. And then after, we would have to go to the track, whereas at least like, it's sandwich. this time, it's sandwich. I'm working in normal business hours. So that's nice. That's nice, Kyle. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's my thing is it's about me. <laughs> it's my week. Yeah. I think it's when for the swimming, NBC actually got the swimming moved mm-hmm. so that'd be prime time ish. It's not really prime time for the East Coast, but they wanted the American audience to tune in. They did not do the same for track. So we are having most of the finals in our morning, it seems. But, you know, we're not going to miss any of the action for you. We will not. Um, All right. So kind of so the way we're going to be doing this podcast is we're going to be recording after the uh, technically it's the morning session in Tokyo, the evening session in the United States. We're going to be recording after the evening sessions so uh, that you can have an episode when you wake up in the morning tomorrow, the first final and the first medals that will be awarded will be the men's 10,000 meters. First time that we're not handing this gold medal to someone named Mo Farah since 2008. Um, and so in this one, you got the world record holder, Joshua Chepta guy. You've got the American squad of Woody Kincaid, Grant Fisher, Joe Klecker. Uh, you've got a strong Ethiopian contingent, Salomon Borega. By the time people are listening to this podcast, though... The, the medals may already be awarded. So yeah. that's why we don't want to spend too much time on previewing yeah. the next day's action. This but is we rapid just kinda, fire. We just want to give you a heads up that that's what's to come. Um, and we'll have that recapped for when you listen to that episode on Friday morning. We do have one more event that happened today. But and- before that event, we have to talk about the factors in the 10K, which is in all of these events which is the heat and humidity, Yeah, which is going to benefit our, our next, final. I was going to say the women's hundred, which will benefit. Benefits, yeah. But our men's 10 K, if anyone's watching the triathlon or any of these outdoor events, it looks oppressive. <laughs> We're no strangers to discussing heat. No. After the trials, we, uh, that heat though, plus humidity. All right. And then the final event that we want to touch on is the first round officially of the women's hundred yes and so not to be confused with the, the preliminary round. it's round zero is the prelim and this is one round one good good way of putting it I so think seven heats again um of first and three heat and then the next three fastest times uh first heat american tiana daniels looked super strong doing it uh dina asher smith you know Right there, along with her, they went 1104, 11.07. No uh, huge surprises, I would say. But then we did see some really fast times from the Jamaicans. So Elaine Thompson-Hara, 10.82. That's quick. Wind, wind, wind legal? Uh, I believe it was wind legal. 
I think this is their climate coming into play here. I really think we're going to see a lot of very fast times on the sprints, especially the shorter sprints. I think the shorter you go, the faster the time. You know, I'm not one to make a great prediction, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it here. I will say I think the Olympic record of 10.62 is in jeopardy. I like that. I, I do think that one's going down because, I mean, someone like Shelly Ann Fraser-Price has been running really fast all year. Yeah, I mean, she just won. I was saying the Jamaicans ran fast. She ran 10.84 in her heat. And it's just like, you don't have to run that fast this early She knows in the no round, other way. That's a, yeah, that's all she does. But uh, actually, from the Ivory Coast, Mary Josie Talu, Talu yeah. uh, actually had the, the fastest. Yeah. So, a 10.78. So the fact I'm just seeing flash on my screen here is that Elaine Thompson's time was the fastest 100-meter heat time, and then Talu just broke that, and we're just—they're going to run fast. Yeah, I you know I think um, I I don't even want to bring it up, but Shakari would have been so much fun. Okay, so here's what I was just thinking: is <laughs> so much of the people who came out and in, in full support yes it was awesome to see but then like you felt like are you a track fan now how many of them you think are actually awake right now watching this first round no one we're the only <laughs> i don't even know if track fans are awake watching this first round i'm not gonna lie this is it's hard it's, it's hard. hard out here okay and i'm gonna say this i th- i think shakari could have won i would have bet on her probably gold you know gold but the you way gold the way the narrative kind of went was that she had she was locked had, and no, it was all we're doing yeah. as we're looking at the first round right now we're seeing times that would be super competitive with her times from this year and it's just a shame that we didn't get to see it but we will at the pre-classic with whoever wins chris's contest mm-hmm. they'll be sitting there with chris it's and they'll finally contest. get to see yeah <laughs> it's 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 our contest kyle i didn't come up i had nothing to do with that <laughs> There, yeah. So you will get to see Shakari Richardson run in the hundred if you enter our daily prediction contest and then win the grand prize. But yes, point overall point being is the hundred stacked. Hundred is stacked. All right, that does it for the first day of competition. I think. Right? Do Do we have any last final thoughts? Like it. It's just really nice that track and field is underway at the games it's happening and i love track and field dana i don't no she doesn't like it i love it and i love to be surprised more than anything you know i'm horrible at predictions that's my beat and i just want you know i want some upsets around here Mm -hmm. i want some people coming out of the woodwork who have been training in isolation who i've never heard of to show up you know sometimes we just talk about the favorites so i'm excited to see some people mix it up. Chris, I know he just wanted me to say I love track and field <laughs> so he could end the podcast. One more thing, if I can have a minute. If you're American, are you allowed to ever root for other people? Or like, no, you have to root for America. Like, that's what a patriot does, right? Like, what if you know someone from another country, like, but they're going neck and neck with an American? Do you have to default to America? Thoughts. Ooh. Maybe I'll sleep on that one. The, Get yeah, back to you in the morning. I'm going to sleep on that one. That is such a deep thought. No. Country over friends? Friends over country? Where are we friends going? Friends over country. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get canceled. <laughs>